and welcome to the first episode of a Shoesmith podcast series on the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on industry. My name is Hayley Saunders and I'm a partner in the business crime and compliance team here at Shoesmith. Today I'm joined by Simon Tosland, who is the Head of Safety and Fire at Birmingham Airport and Simon also chairs the IOSH Aviation and Aerospace Group. So we all know that the COVID inquiry has already started and there are various modules which will look at the impact the pandemic has had on various industries, sectors and services. So today we're going to talk about the impact the pandemic has had on the travel industry and any lessons learned. And really, Simon, the question we all want to know the answer to is whether the queue to get through security is still two hours long. Um, So thank you very much for taking the time to join me today. Um, As you know, when the COVID pandemic first hit the UK, I was still enjoying a sabbatical in South America. And little did I know about the shortage of pasta in the UK and what was colloquially known as toilet roll gate. And at the time, I thought COVID was something that would blow over in a couple of weeks. But when it took me five days to get home and the mandate from work was to work from home for the foreseeable future, I soon realised the impact was far more serious. So working from home for me was relatively easy because I'm predominantly office-based, but for you, Simon, obviously vastly different. So if you can just tell us about the impact the COVID pandemic had on you and Birmingham Airport, especially starting from the first lockdown in March 2020. Good afternoon, Hayley. Thank you very much for the introduction. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to be here and um, more than happy to try and share some of the findings from aviation um, as, as we talk through this podcast. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, whenever you do something like this, it's always a, a good point for reflection. And um, you're quite right. When sort of COVID first hit the news, um, we all thought it was going to be something that would pass relatively quickly. Um, but as we know, you know, I, I would probably guess aviation was probably hit harder than any other sector. And um, certainly sort of thinking back to those early days, uh, it was a real challenge, I think, like anybody else, really just understanding all the different information and guidelines and how and and, and interpreting that and how that would um, be implemented um, within our industry. And there was so Um, much, wasn't there? There was. Changed so frequently. Changed so frequently. and, And if you recall... You know, quite early on, there was that debate about face coverings. There was, yeah. um, in some corners, people saying, well, actually, you know, it, it, that they can actually worsen the situation. Yeah. Um, other people were debating, well, actually, it's absolutely essential. So yeah. trying to get our head around all those different information sources and trying to find what was, was best for our environment, um, I would say was probably the key challenge, particularly in those early days. And I, I forget, in terms of the impact on travel and and the airport itself how soon did the borders shut down when were you sort of first really really impacted by it did you still have lots of people moving through the airport before things really ground to a halt yeah absolutely and i think when you think about the airport environment um you know you, you've got to remember as well that there's shops there there's bars and restaurants yeah um we have all of those places where people congregate in some really tight um, spaces, yeah, yeah. you know, as they're queuing up for security. Um, they're using lifts, they're using travelators. Um, 
we even had obviously in many um, cases some quite large scale construction works taking place. So there was all this different guidance coming around about all these different industries, which really um, it wasn't just a case of just looking at one piece of, of documentation. We had to really try and embrace all of it and think about how we could make it as, as seamless as possible for our passengers and our staff working in that environment because, you know, it wasn't like they would go into a shop um, and come out again and then try and think of a different set of rules to then go into a restaurant. Yeah. We had to try and think about how we could capture all of that and, and make it as safe as possible and as, if you like, as convenient as possible yeah. for all those people that, that use our facilities. And what, so what were your sort of top priorities? Because you're looking at, as you say, so many different aspects mm. to here in terms of trying to control the impact of the pandemic. What can you remember back to what your top priorities were at that time? Yeah, so... Um, well, certainly in the early stages, it was safety, you yeah. know, um, it was ensuring the safety of our staff and as, as our passengers. And I remember, you know, we were going through a process of doing specific risk assessments um, around all different um, locations and environments. And, and those particularly tricky ones was probably security. You know, we've got a situation there where We've got an environment where you've got a lot of people in close proximity for each other, but also from a employee perspective, our, our security teams, they had to get close up and personal to yeah, our passengers, yeah. you know, in order to carry out the searches. Yeah. Um, so that was, How I remember being- How did they feel about being, that? Did you get feedback from them at the time as to whether they wanted to do that or- were they still keen to help or did they not even want to come into work? Yeah, I mean, we had all of that, yeah. you know, all yeah. of that. We had um, obviously people wanted to come into work. They, I think anybody that works in aviation has a real passion for what mm. they do. Yeah. Um, but equally, as you can appreciate, there were concerns. And, Absolutely. You know, well, we had the, no idea. All the rumblings yeah. that were going on and, and you know, it was as an, as a, as a, and only as a business, but as a country, we were trying to find mm. our feet here mm. and, and trying to understand, you know, what the, the impacts were and what the real dangers were. And, and there was all sorts of information and rumours coming out. Yeah. Um, but and what did you, did you have um, sort of any interaction with other airports? You know, could you seek guidance or support from them in terms of what they were doing? Or was everybody just trying to work their way around the guidance and try and find a way through this? So I've always found the aviation industry to have a really close working relationship. And even before the, the pandemic, there was a number of forums where um, all the airports would come together and share best practice and learnings. Okay. Um, you know, the IOSH Aviation and Aerospace Group just being one. Um, so that relationship was already there. And I think it was really important um as an industry that we did get together and we did talk about these things and we did talk about some quite difficult scenarios, you know, yeah. I've already, already mentioned security as one. Yeah. So we wanted, did you have differences of opinion in terms of interpretation of the guidance or did you find that you were relatively on the same page? No, I think we were on relatively the same page, yeah. but I think we understood, you know, that actually a passenger could get on a plane in Edinburgh and land in London, you know, so it was, we needed to try and make sure as much as possible Possible that some of the messaging and the controls that we were putting in place were as consistent as yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like I say, we already had a, a really good working relationship within aviation. And I think this kind of, um, or certainly COVID really compounded that. Yeah. And um, if anything, you know, with some airports, we were talking several times a day. Um, we, we set up 
messaging groups so we could contact each other, send people pictures, ask them how they were managing certain situations. Yeah. Um, so I know, you know, not only obviously through the pandemic, but coming out of the pandemic as well, that relationship is still there in many cases. That's really um, good. Which is really important for sure. Because some, I mean, in terms of working from home, we would have limited risk assessments, you know, for some of our staff that would still come into the office, there would be a COVID risk assessment. But for you guys, you are creating, I don't know, did you create lots of documentation as a result of this? Or were you trying to keep things relatively simple? Um, the fact that it was so fluid and changing all the time, is it hard to create documentation? How did you manage those risks? Yeah, so in terms of documentation, we obviously tried to follow best practice as best we could. So we took a lot of guidance from um, the health and safety executive. And they were very clear at the time to say, actually, you need to have a COVID policy. I remember quite early on, they were set their stall out in terms yeah. of what their expect expectations were. So, you know, where we've got a strong safety management system um, at Birmingham Airport is certified to ISO 45001. It was really the, that management system actually kicking in and we were... Um, looking at COVID as we would do with any other hazard. We would look at our policy, would make pe make sure people had the right training. Um, there was a lot of webinars and guidance yeah. taking place at the yeah. time. Um, so we, we that was a great way of sort of keeping up to date and, and hearing what sort of good practice looked like. Um, and then, like you say, you know, as an airport, we wanted to make sure that we were consistent as possible. So when somebody got on a bus to arrive at the airport, um, when they were going through security, when they were going through and having a coffee, um, you know, that we were trying to be as clear and as concise as possible for that passenger experience. But um, you're right, you know, obviously in the real thick of COVID, there was very little travel whatsoever. Yeah, I was just about to say, um, what were the numbers like? Like, did you shut all of the shops and hospitality within the airport? Was that all shut? At pretty some, much. Yeah, yeah virtually yeah. everything was shut. And how many flights, um, you know, on your quietest day, how many flights would you have going out? Or oh, there in? would be very few, Hayley. Yeah, um, yeah. No queues at the airport. No, no queues at the airport <laughs> whatsoever. But, um, you know, we still had to keep the airport ticking along. Yeah. Um, so that requires a minimum amount of staff then. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, you know, we were, when you sort of think about it, we were losing about £10,000 an hour Gosh. Um, for 12, 24 hours for about 500 days. So, wow. and you, you sort of think about where does that cost come from, where yeah. you've got energy costs. Yeah. Um, How do you, you know, make that back? You've got typically in the summer, you've got all your costs from car parking and, yeah. um, you know, people spending money within the airport. So, yeah. no, no, that was happening, but we still had to maintain an airport. Yeah. And, and then the and additional costs, I assume, um, in terms staffing of costs, you know, installing all the barriers costs. and all of the control measures from the COVID risk assessment, I assume, came at a cost. Yeah, of some sort absolutely. As well. You know, um, if you remember at the time, we were putting signs up about making sure people were keeping their distance. Yeah, um, the barriers. Barriers, yeah. all your hand sanitization, um, face coverings, all of those things, um, you know, that we had to put in place in, in a really really quickly or as quickly as we can, just as any other business would. Yeah. And finding um, that, you know, finding mm. the PPE, finding the hand sanitizer, did that create challenges? Um, it did, but I think we were, 
one of the other challenges really was just making sure again that consistency and that we were all using the same standard um you know the same standard of of personal protection equipment where yeah. it was required um so those were real sort of issues for us and it was a as a way of when you think about all those different departments in the airport your procurement teams your hr teams your it teams your health and safety teams we all had to come together and work closely to yeah. make this happen yeah um you sort of mentioned there about homeworking you know again that was um well certainly for birmingham it was a relatively a new experience for yeah, us. Yeah, um, I assume you're predominantly based at the airport in an operational role. And um, exactly that. You can't do it from home. So for obviously for, for some people, it just wasn't possible to work at home. Um, for others, again, we had to think about making sure people had access to IT equipment. Um, you had to obviously think about other new scenarios such as your mental health and your well-being yep. for those people that yep. are at home so again i think that was sort of a, a new concept for for a lot of people within a, in aviation yeah um not so much the, the mental health and well-being but where you've got people working at home for for long periods of time where they could absolutely um, and i think we so all felt the impact of that didn't we with you know normally you're looking at those physical hazards and and the risks and the control measures you can put in place but even though stress at work and mental well-being has always been an important part of health and safety, it just came to the fore during COVID because so many people suffered with being at home so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, again, whilst we understood that actually at any time the, air, the airport may be needed to be pulled back into action. And so we still had the ongoing challenges of ensuring that our, our water was um, maintained, particularly sort of from a Legionella perspective. Yeah. We continue to do the flushing and the management of our um, of our water systems. Um, fire safety, we still had to make sure that all our fire safety precautions and our life safety systems were still operational and, man and maintained as uh, things like our escalators, all of those elements um, still needed still to, be to be thought about and, and we still had the, the statutory inspections and maintenance that needed to be carried out. So all that was still happening, yeah. um, even sort of through the, through the thick of COVID to make sure that when called upon, um, the airport was ready to, to go back into operation. And we can all remember, I think, the, the green countries and the red countries. So as soon as that list was announced every, I don't know, three weeks and people were booking their flights to Spain or wherever else was on the green list, that fluidity of those lists or those country lists changing must have had an impact just in terms of numbers, I assume. People arrive into the airport re realising that flights have been cancelled or were delayed or, you know, something else may have happened. How, how did you sort of deal with those issues in terms of the the, the changes in numbers within the airports and then perhaps the, the sens sensational, perhaps the media in terms of dealing with you know, their assessment on how mm. long the queues were at airports and, you know, make sure you get there four hours before because it will take you that long to get through security. It Did did that happen? Did you have those excessive queuing times? Or? Well, I think, you know, in terms of the excessive queuing times, that really sort of came about as we came out of COVID, yeah. you know, and it, it really sort of was a bit of a shock to the system, I think, in terms of aviation. We wasn't quite sure what the appetite would be for past for people to want to return to go on holiday and return to flying. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that appetite was clearly there and people came back in their droves yeah. once the airports reopened, to, to want of a better word. Um, and yes, you know, I, and certainly sort of, 
thinking back a few months ago now, um, Birmingham Airport, we had, I think, probably one really challenging day in terms of our queues. And, you know, the media were really knee jerking on the back of sometimes just posts from social media. Yeah. You know, they would read a comment and they would actually then make a story about it. Yeah. So it's been a real challenge for our comms teams um, to obviously make sure that the facts are correct. Yeah, because you um, want to encourage people to absolutely, travel again. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and in fact, that sort of um, sensationalism didn't yeah. help the matter. No. I think people no. were... Really cautious, I imagine. Well, they were deciding to come in um, many hours before they needed to, and that actually created more of a problem. Yeah. Um, but look, on our, on our worst day, um, we still managed to get sort of 24,000 people um flying yeah and and 20 people missed their flight and only a small number of those um from birmingham were actually due to the queues yeah you know at twenty four thousand people if 20 people missed their flight that that's probably a pretty normal day actually yeah. for an airport um and what about the staff so um now we've got issues or again this is what the media report about security staff you know it takes so long to train security staff were they placed on furlough or made redundant as a result of the pandemic and are we now having to encourage people to come back to work or recruit new staff which has taken time so that doesn't help that problem with the queues um, and the lack of staff at airports is that is that a real thing or is that again something that's been yeah no it's, it's, a, it's a very real thing Hayley um, as you can appreciate you know um, certainly when you sort of think back to when the government introduced the furlough scheme and then they were talking about ending the furlough scheme, but it wasn't really until the last minute that it was decided yeah. to be extended. So that put real pressure on us um, as an airport because obviously we've not got any flights or very few flights taking place at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, we were then being asked to to bring people, pe a lot of people back and, um, you know, there just wasn't the the demand for yep. it, to want of a better word. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, we did lose quite a few people and, and aviation wasn't attractive for people for a long time. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's not just security staff, but you think about baggage handlers, um, all sorts of, all groups of people, catering, everybody, yeah. you know, was a challenge that we lost people um, during that difficult period. Yeah. And it's it's quite an, a, a delicate ecosystem, really, when you think about it in airport. You've got, you know, uh, our own security staff, you've got staff from the airlines, you've got baggage handlers. So when all of those people lose people and then try and recruit again quite quickly, um, it has a, a, you know, there's pinch points there yeah, at sort definitely. of every place. Um, but sort of pleased to say now, I think, you know, certainly um, what we've seen this summer is, um, a, you know, we've had a very positive summer compared to where we were. Good. Um, is it back to pre-pandemic numbers? Not quite or? back to okay. pre-pandemic numbers, yeah. um, but uh, it's Hoping not too Christmas. far off. And, and certainly sort of by next summer, we, we think we're probably going to be back to about where we were sort of 2019. Yeah, um, brilliant. So it, it's, it's great to see that recovery and, and it's great to see that people still have that appetite and they still want to fly you know and, yeah. and, and and holidays are important to people you they know really and um you know i think when you sort of we, we know that it's a very difficult time for people at the moment with the the cost of living yeah. crisis but you know um people still want to get away and people still want to see people i think yeah. the other thing that you, you know that 
we can't lose sight of is that for many people they didn't see friends or relatives for a couple yeah, of years whilst yeah. they were in lockdown yeah and, and some are still nervous know, about traveling aren't and they some you've are got still to nervous. build that and yeah, encourage yeah. that again um but um yeah so it's, what about lessons really learned good. i know that's always the thorny question but is there anything you can look back on and think i wish we'd have done that differently or had we've known that at the time i appreciate hindsight's a wonderful thing but any lessons we can take away from the pandemic and think, gosh, if this awful event happened again, we would do it differently in this way? Um, it's difficult to say that yeah. because, you know, like you say, you, can, you can look curve, back in, no heart, in hindsight and say, oh, perhaps we could have done this a little bit better. But I think yeah. the way we come together as an organisation and um, I think for, for as an aviation industry, um, you know, in the event that something like this would happen again, we would certainly be a lot more geared up for yeah. it. Um, yeah. We have now got those relationships with um, the, the the hand sanitizers or the yeah. face mask, yeah. whatever it needs. You know, they're already in place. Um, we've got a, a we already had a good command structure um, yeah. in place as well. So it's it was really in some ways an opportunity to really put that to the test. Yeah. Um, and there's always certain things you can improve on, but I think in terms of the actual principles, I think it worked really well. Good. Well, that's really encouraging. And any other, um, have you had any other input from, obviously you're part of the Aviation and Aerospace Group, which I know has members from other countries. Have you had any feedback from them in terms of what they've done, whether they've had any good suggestions or any learning points from them, or are you all pretty much on the same page there? Yeah, I, I think it's sort of fair to say we're we're pretty much on the the same page, Hayley, yeah. um, to be honest. Um, you know, um, certainly I think one of the things actually that sort of perhaps if you like one of the positives um, was that it did give us an opportunity to do a lot of training and improve some of our other um, areas in terms of health and safety. I mean, obviously no one would want to go about it in that way. Yeah. Um, but whilst we were in lockdown, you know, and even with our staff that were on furlough, it did give us a great opportunity to actually say, well, hang on, let's catch up with some of our health and safety training that we need to do. Let's yeah. take the opportunity to review um, some of our documentation and policies and risk assessments associated with other hazards. Um, but in some ways, you know, I think the COVID pandemic really raised the profile of health and safety in yeah. many ways. Um, you know, everybody was talking about making sure we've got risk assessments in place. Everybody was talking about personal protective equipment and the importance of that. So um, in many ways, it sort of really raised the profile of, of health and safety. So, you know, that's perhaps um, one of the key learnings. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, not just I a guess, negative, yeah. but, but thinking about the, the positive opportunities. Yeah. And for a virus that was obviously so prevalent in the community, the impact it had on the workplace as well and the extent to which employers could control some of those risks. It's It was the two marrying together, wasn't it? It was the employee doing what they could at home and in their personal life in order to control the risk as well as the employer doing their bit as well. So it was, it was a real coming together, I think, between employers, employees as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, like I say, I think certainly at, the, at, at my airport, at Birmingham Airport, we really sort of came together um as teams as well and different yeah. departments really had to work together and and that's something I think that's been sort of maintained post-COVID. Mm. Um, you learn a lot about each other even if it is online and not in yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, that's been brilliant. Thank you. I mean, the COVID inquiry is started. It's module three at the moment, which is looking at healthcare. I'm assuming you'll be following. There will be they will be seeking views from the travel industry. So it's a watch this space and see what happens down the line. Um, but there's going to be an examination of all different types of industries and sectors and services. Um, so the spotlight will be shone on on those areas. And I'm assuming that you'll be following with interest. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've always been very proactive, Birmingham, in, in feeding back to the government um, in terms of our experiences and, and some of those lessons learned. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Hayley. Thanks, Hayley.